Hey, my name's Drew, and I'm one of the pastors here. Normally, on a given Sunday, I would come up and I would probably start the sermon giving you an illustration, something to build maybe the tension for the day, why we should listen to what God has to say, why this is important for our life. But for today, it's a little bit different. I tried this week really hard to come up with something. What could I share? What story from my past? And nothing really seemed to, um, for lack of a better word, do it justice, this sermon. Um, Because I think that there's so much tension already. The issue of justice is so huge. It's polarizing. It's all around us. It's on television. It's in our newspapers. It's on Facebook. We see it every day throughout our own country, in our own neighborhoods, in our own streets, in our own city, in our own nation. None of us would say that there's a shortage of injustice. For instance, sex trade is on the rise. There are babies that are being aborted. There are terrorists driving trucks through crowds of people. Christians are being slaughtered at the hands of terrorism. There are racially motivated shootings and deaths. Police officers are being gunned down in the streets. Refugees are dying by the hour trying to find safety. And these are just a few things that are going on right now, but injustice and justice, this tension, it's not, something, it's not something new. We can trace it all the way back to the garden when sin entered. Maybe you know the story of Cain and Abel, a brother taking his other brother's life. This idea of injustice. We see the slavery of God's people throughout the Old Testament and Exodus specifically. In our own history as a world, you think about things like the Holocaust, people being treated as less than human And so many dying. At the same time, during World War II, you have things that happened even in our own United States, like um, putting Japanese in internment camps and many suffering and dying. The treatment of Native Americans. I've been to the reservations, and it's it's not amazing. It's not great. Suicide rates are at an all-time high. Many lost, not knowing what to do. We have segregation in our country. We have women not having equal rights. Injustice is not something... It's new, and here's the thing. I know that this is not something comfortable to talk about, so let me just say that up front. At the same time, I don't want you to think it's just political, because that is absolutely not the case. Before politics, before government, before anything of that played a part, this is a gospel issue on the heart of God. And this is something that we as a church absolutely cannot ignore, we cannot turn a blind eye to, nor should we, because it does injustice to a God who has a deep heart for justice. This is something that our world cries out for. This is something that we cry out for to see justice. This is something that even creation just cries out for. But when you think about the word justice, it's right up here, what comes to mind? Some might think of justice simply in the terms of crime and punishment. Someone getting what they deserve for doing something they shouldn't have done. We have the idea of social justice, helping out those who are less fortunate or who are hurting. You even got things that I've heard of like Texas justice. I don't even know what that means exactly, and I probably don't want to know. But you've got all these different ideas about justice. Here's why it's important to ask that question. What do you think of when this word pops up? Because what you think about and how you understand justice will absolutely, without a doubt, affect the way that you see, think about, and treat people. And for today, there's a lot of different angles that we could look at this. And there are a lot of things that need to be said. And so this is not a holistic message today on, on, hey, here's a message on justice. You've got everything you need. Now go out and let's be people who stand for justice. That's not it. This is, view this as more of a start of a conversation that we need to keep open and we need to have because it's something that we need to stand for as a church. And so for clarity, we're not going to focus as much today for the time that we have on the crime punishment side of justice, the cause and effect, but 
We're going to start, I think, at the best place that you can start and at a really wise place by looking through the lens of how we think about, how we see, how we relate with each other as humans. Because if we don't get that right, then the rest is really a waste of time. And so we're going to ask two simple questions, really simple today. What does God show us, and how do we need to respond? So to start out, because we are in the Proverbs series, looking at the way of wisdom, Proverbs definitely has a lot to say about justice, and here are a few things. Here why, here's why this is even important this morning. Let's look at a few of these verses together. Proverbs 1, 2 through, two through 3 says, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand the words of insight, to receive instruction and wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. This is the very beginning of the book, and you'll notice that justice is included in one of the purposes, that we would be a people of justice. As Jana read several of these, Proverbs 21.3, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. That's pretty amazing because the Lord asks us to bring sacrifice. He asks us to bring ourselves to him even as a living sacrifice. And he says right here that justice is more acceptable. Proverbs 21.15, when justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous but terror to evildoers. In Proverbs 28.5, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Justice, what I want you to see here, even just through the lens of Proverbs, is that this is a big deal to God. This is not something small to him. In fact, the word for justice, uh, mishfat, occurs in various forms more than 200 times in the Hebrew Old Testament. And its most basic meaning is this, and I think we we would understand this. Its most basic meaning is to treat people equally. But at the same time, it goes much deeper than that. And when we take a look back to the beginning of creation, where you really have to start We see why justice matters so much to God, why he speaks about justice through Proverbs, and why it's way more than just about crime and punishment or cause and effect. And so let me read this to you. Let me remind you why this is so important to God. This is from Genesis 1. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them and God blessed them. Every single human that's alive right now that has breath in their lungs has been created beautifully and wonderfully by God with love, with purpose, with value, with care. And I know that we know this in our head, but really a question is, do we, do we really believe it? And I don't mean that to to push us too hard, but do we really believe it? In the way that we even live this out, in the way that we think about people, in the way that we interact with people, do we really believe this, that every single human that's living right now, that there are no throwaways, that there are no mistakes, that there are no lesser or greater, that God has created every single human being in his image, as he says here in Genesis. God's desire is that all humans, regardless of race, of sex, of age, or class, be treated as such, but we know that this is not the case in the world that we live in. Redemption Church, there will be a thousand homeless children out on the streets of Seattle tonight. There are over half a million of our image-bearing sisters who will be sexually abused this year and treated as less than God sees them. There are an estimated 20 million image-bearers being treated as sex slaves right now, half of them children, their lives being sold for an average of $90. I don't know if you knew this, but Seattle has the third highest rate of child prostitution in our country. 
This is on our own streets. Hundreds of precious young image bearers being used and abused, treated as less than animals. Every 26 seconds, another baby's life is taken. Before we finish our time today, 137 babies' lives, image bearers' lives, will be taken. And these are not just unjust acts. These are unjust acts against image bearers of God, who God dearly loves and who He dearly cares for and who He has made with such purpose in His likeness. And as Christians, we can't be okay just to push these things aside or say this happens all the time. What can I do? That's not the correct response. This is not simply a job of politicians or for the government to fix, but this is a role of the church that we should stand up, that we should be the first ones to stand and say, this isn't right because these people are not objects. They're image bearers made with purpose and worth. It's not okay for us just to sit idly by. It's not okay for us to just say, well, that's just how the world is. God absolutely cares about justice and the just treatment of all people. And he also cares about us as his children, as the church, doing the same. And in Luke 10, which we're going to look at for just a few minutes, he gives us an example of what this looks like because justice is not just a conversation to be had, but it really is an action that needs to be lived out. Here's what it says. Let's, let's just pick this up. You guys know this probably fairly well. Many of you do. I know this, but don't, don't tune out here. This is important. This is a great picture that God gives us here in Luke chapter 10. It says, Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Do you notice what the lawyer is essentially saying here as he seeks to justify himself? He's essentially asking, what's the bare minimum? What's the minimum amount that I, of people that I need to care for, that I need to care about? And so Jesus replies. Let's look at his reply. A man was going down to Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him, and they departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Here's what's important for us to understand. There are two forms of injustice happening here in this account. The fact that this man was beaten and robbed, and the fact that there is great passivity on the part of other human beings that are walking by. And you've probably read this account a number of times, but today what I want us to look at, just for a few minutes, is I want us to look specifically at what the one who comes along, what we're going to see, the Samaritan, I want us to look at what he doesn't say what he doesn't do. So here's what it says. As these men passed him by, a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and he bound his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. First thing that I want us to notice is he didn't ask, as he came to this man, did he deserve it? Did he deserve to be here on the side of the road? Did he do something to warrant this? You see, it's, inc- it's incredibly easy, and it's not completely wrong to define justice as what's fair. But if we just leave it at what's fair, it allows us to disconnect from really humans and to just look at justice in the sense of cause and effect. This person did this, and they get this. This person chose this path, and so now they're reaping the consequences here. But really a better way, 
God's way of looking at justice, these, are always, these always go together, is not just what's fair, but what's right. Because it's easy to come across somebody and say what's fair and then disconnect or just, just turn a blind eye. But if we come across anybody, all people, and we say what's right, how should this person be treated? What's right? How much value does this person have? These are image bearers. If we ask those questions, we have to connect at a heart level. It, it does this as well. It changes it changes the way that we understand justice, and it also incorporates something really important. It incorporates grace. Because let's be honest, we oftentimes cry out for justice on other people who do wrong, but when it comes to us and our wrongdoing, what do we cry out for? We cry out for mercy. We cry out for grace. It's really interesting here that a Samaritan stopped by. I don't know how much history you know about the Samaritans and Jews, but man, they did not like each other. And so it's really interesting that a Samaritan is the one who actually came to this man and had compassion upon him. He didn't say, I can't relate with this man, so I can't help him. Here's the truth. In our society, and I think it's important to talk about, it's important to bring up, because I think it'd be wrong if we didn't. Whether we want to admit it or not, there's still a lot of racial tension in our, in our country. There are communities of our African-American brothers and sisters who don't feel safe, who are scared, who are hurting. And you might say, yeah, 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 but racism, racial profiling, that stuff doesn't exist anymore. That stuff's not real anymore. I would have probably agreed with you and even thought the same thing growing up. But growing up, I had a really good friend. His name was Derek, and we were great friends in elementary school and through junior high. One day, there was a fight going on outside. Two guys, probably looked a lot like me, two, two white kids outside the school, and they were fighting, and Derek came along, and I was there with him, and he actually broke up the fight. But when the administration came out, they wanted to let the other kids go, and they wanted Derek to come to the office with them because they thought that he started the fight. And I stood there, and I had to defend him, and I was like, hey, he's just trying to break this up. But that was probably the first time where I realized that not everybody has the same life experience that I have. Not everybody experiences the same things or walks in the same shoes that I do. In fact, I think it's very ignorant and unloving to just say that. Oh, everybody's, everybody's living the same life here. No, we're not. And what we need to do, what we need to do at the, at the very least is empathize. I'll tell you this, and this isn't fun to talk about, but it was only 50 years ago that our country was spraying down African Americans for fighting for their rights just to be seen equal. That was only 50 years ago. This is not that far removed. It was only 50 years ago that the Ku Klux Klan was seen as a good Christian organization in most southern states. We are not that far removed. And so when brothers and sisters of ours who may be from a different race cry out, let's first not ask, oh, is this, is this justified? Instead, let's ask, how can I empathize? How can I show love? How can I add to the voice that says there is love, we do care. And the point here, let me say this, let me just say this clearly, the point here is not white guilt, because that's not helpful. The point here is empathy, understanding, care, compassion, and a listening ear. And so even online and even in media and even when you have, um, when you see people that um, post things like Black Lives Matter, the appropriate response is not, is not all lives matter. It would be like when Jesus said to the disciples, blessed are the poor in spirit, and they said, no, 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 Jesus, blessed is everybody. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely, we agree with that, but, but we're looking at this one group right now. And so that's not an appropriate response because this is really community crying out and saying we're hurting we're hurting, but Black Lives Matter doesn't diminish that all lives matter, that police officers' lives matter. What it does is it brings a focus to a, a community that's hurting and to injustice that's happening. That's what it does, and so let's not do that. That's not helpful. It's like if you're, if you, if you're a parent and you had children who came home and they had a really hard day at school and they were treated poorly and they said, Mom, I'm really broken, and you would say, well, well a lot of people are broken. No, you wouldn't say that. You would say, how can I help? 
how can I love you? How can I care for you? I don't want you to experience this. Here's the thing. You may not be an African-American, but you can still stand with African-American when they're hurting. You may not be a police officer, but you can stand with police officers and their families when they're hurting. You may not be a refugee, but you can stand with refugees. You may not be homeless, but we can stand with the homeless. Relatability isn't required here for justice. It's just the ability to show love and compassion to image bearers of God. After he bound his wounds, it says the next day, or he took him, sorry, then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. You notice what else he didn't say here? He didn't say, I don't have time. Proverbs 31.8, we read this a few weeks ago when we were talking about um, the tongue, but it says this. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. The point here is that we need to act when we can, where we can. And a lot of times there may be an under-realized idea of justice, and sometimes there's an over-realized, meaning under-realized, well, everything is the way it is, and we just need to wait till Jesus comes, and so why should I do anything? And an over-realized, which says everything needs to be made better, and it's going to be made better right now, here and now, and that's, that's not true either. We know that through our understanding of God that some things will be reconciled here, and we hope that they are, but some things will be reconciled on the other side of eternity. But this doesn't mean that we sit idly by, as God says throughout the Bible, that we should be people of justice, that we need to people, be people who stand with our brothers and sisters, even the idea of, of our name as a church, Redemption Church, that we are praying that God would redeem, that we are praying that God would save, that we are praying that God would change lives, believing that in the end, shalom will be found in Christ, that peace will be found. And until that happens, we need to have a Christ-centered labor toward the flourishing of image bearers. And this idea of social justice, social justice kind of got a bad rap in the church, but here's the deal, it's not a bad word. We have a lot of people in our city who need us to show them love and compassion in tangible ways, food, clothing, shelter. And here's the thing, here's the difference here between how our church may do that and how anybody else who has no relationship with Christ may do that is we are not doing this simply out of morality. We're doing this because at the end of the day, we see people as image bearers and we want them to come to Jesus. And so as we do these things, as we give food, as we serve, in our heart says, God, would you give me an opportunity to share with them your grace, your love, your compassion. May they come to know you. But we absolutely serve, just like the early church. And if you know, the early church was, was known for actually going around and even taking babies who were thrown away out of dumpsters. And, and if you stood back and we said, well, social justice, that's not good at all, then you just need to tell everybody just about the gospel. And that's the only things that we do. Absolutely not. Those babies need to be saved because they're image bearers of God and because God willing, they, they grow and they come to know Jesus. So let's not push away from that either. And in fact, a, a good encouragement that I have, I was thinking about it this week, is for us as even life groups to talk more about how can we be serving, what can we be doing, where are there opportunities. There are a lot here, I don't know if you know about all of them, but on Aurora Commons, it's about a mile up the road. It's a great organization that you can serve at. There are homeless youth organizations, big brothers, big sisters. There are food banks. There's the Jubilee Women's Center. There's a Union Gospel Mission. There is no shortage of opportunities to serve here in Seattle. Here's what else he didn't say. The Samaritan didn't say, now I need to go and I need to seek vengeance, and I think this is important. Romans 12, 19 says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God because God is angry by injustice. Don't think for a second he's not. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. 
We don't stand for justice because we hate anyone or out to seek vengeance, but because we are called to love everyone. Amen? From the unborn child to the sexually exploited woman to people of different race, cultural background, refugees, marginalized, the abandoned orphan, the police who serve. And this isn't a suggestion. This is a mandate on every Christian's life. And this is not about affiliation with any group or movement. It's about a dedication to stand with God's declaration that every single person is an image bearer of God, created with purpose and value. And this goes far beyond any politics and is what every Christian is called to unite around when we see anyone mistreated or their worth in question. And sometimes, sometimes the best way that we can speak up is to pray and plead with God. Right now our staff is going through some discipleship in a book called Working All the Angles by Eugene Peterson, and the first three chapters alone are just on prayer. And I've never been more convicted than I probably have in my life that prayer is not just a tag-on to the Christian faith, but it is an opportunity for children to commune with their father, that he wants to hear from his kids. And what's amazing is that we believe God is sovereign, but he is also moved by our prayer. And so I'm not saying this is true of you, but there's a lot of noise going on in our, in our country right now, in our world right now. And, and I, I'm just saying this for all of us, that even as Even as we get on and we say things and we do things on social media, let us first remember that we are image bearers that are speaking to image bearers. And let's be careful of the things that we say. And in fact, probably the first thing we need to say is to God. That we would say, God, thank you for being merciful with the unborn children that have had their lives taken. Would you protect babies and please prevent more of this injustice from happening? God, would you comfort and pour out your love on our brothers and sisters who have lost loved ones unjustly? Would you comfort and pour out your love on the families of police officers that have lost lives unjustly? Would you bring true racial reconciliation to our communities and nation? God, would you protect and care for the refugees, for the uprooted? Would you protect and care for the women who are being abused, who are being exploited, who are being traded right now, for the children that are being done the same? Would you do that? Would you protect them? Would you bring an end to this? God, would you please bring an end to all the trafficking that's happening right now on Aurora and the sex trade here in Seattle and around the world? And would you heal the abused and show them grace upon grace? Sometimes the best way to speak up is to literally speak up and talk to God, our Father. Who cares? He's more angry about this than you'll ever be. This is not a shaming thing, but if we are not emotionally moved at some level when we see people treated unjustly, it is a question on our heart of whether we have a relationship with Jesus or not, because this is absolutely on the heart of God. We, in this passage, it says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. It's a great question here. Why did the Samaritans show this man mercy? It's funny because the Samaritans were actually mistreated by the Jews and seen as less than, but then you have one who has been seen as less than helping out the other person who has been treated as less than. It's amazing. It's a beautiful picture of how we should relate with one another. Why did he do this? Because before he saw the hurting man as a Jew, he saw him as a human. And before we see someone is a homeless person, may we see them as a human. I was reminded of this two days ago at QFC in Wallingford. I passed by a man who was homeless, and I just gave him a little something, but his response struck me, probably because I was doing sermon prep on this. He said, thanks, brother. My response was, you're welcome, brother, because that's exactly what he is. He's not less than. He's my brother. These are our brothers and sisters who are hurting. How would you want your child, your brother, your sister, your spouse to be treated if they were in that situation? That's how we should be thinking about this. At the core, the way we think about and treat others doesn't just show whether or not we understand justice at a deeper level. It also shows at a heart level whether we have really accepted or understand grace. Here's what Proverbs 16, 11 says. 
A just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. You've probably seen this picture before. This is Lady Justice. She holds these weights, this balance. And you'll notice that there's a blindfold over her, over her eyes, which makes sense. It's this idea of justice, of treating people with equality, not looking at their race or class or any of that, but saying, I'm going to hold the weights. But here's what's amazing is that is this verse in Proverbs 16 points to you get a picture of this same thing, holding the weights in the bag. But here's what's phenomenal about this is that as God did that, he had no blindfold over his eyes. He looked at all of us and said, I see you as you are. You've been unjust. You're guilty of sin. You have wickedness in your hearts. You're hurting each other. You're harming one another. You're hating each other. I see it all. I don't have a blindfold over my eyes. And he would have been perfectly justified to just say, guilty, and that's it. And I clean my hands of you. But instead, because of God's love and his grace and his compassion towards those who he created in his likeness, in his image, he chose a different way. He didn't just say what is fair, because if the question was only what is fair, we would be absolutely damned. But at the same time, someone had to pay, because God is absolutely just in character, and so there was a punishment to be had, but God saw it right that Jesus, his son, would come and pay for our punishment so that we would not be condemned, but that we would be justified. And that's God's absolute grace toward us as his children. And that's where we need to start, because if we don't get that, and if we forget about grace, then we will absolutely just look at people, sometimes as objects, sometimes just cause and effect, but we need to see them as image bearers. And we need to remember how God sees us, how Jesus laid down his life for us. That was the most unjust thing that we've ever seen, yet God saw it right because he loves you that much. That's what we see through the gospel. That's what it means to have a godly vision of justice. So before we decide how we think about certain people, may we first remember how God, in our greatest time of need, thought about us. Before we put a label on anyone, may we remember the label God has put upon us as image bearers. Before we decide how we are going to treat someone with our words, with our actions, or lack thereof, may we remember how God treats us as his children who are shown much grace and deeply loved. May this be our guide as we seek to be people that stand for justice and stand with all others who have also been made in God's image. This is absolutely not everything God has to say about this. And this message today is not meant to be shaming at all. If you walk away with that, that's a wrong thing to walk away with. But we do need to examine our own hearts. We do need to examine our own thoughts. We do need to examine the way that we see people, that we pass by people on a daily basis. Do we really see them as image bearers of God, or do we see them maybe as a problem, or do we see them maybe as just taking up my time or my energy or my resources? Do we think, first thought, maybe they deserve this, or do we come back to the heart of God and say, you have worth? This is the role of the church to stand up for justice. This is the role of church to remind people and to remind our societies that every person, regardless of race, sex, age, status, has worth, has value, has been created with love, and has the opportunity to experience the grace of God. May we be that kind of church. May we be that kind of people. May we hold that kind of brokenheartedness for the brokenhearted. And may we not push it away or ignore it, because God absolutely does not.